Okay, so today we're going to talk about wealth. Are we rich? What makes a person rich? You could say there's many things about being rich. A person can be rich with money, a person can be rich with health. In Hebrew, the word for rich is. Huh? Calories? Rich, rich with calories? That what you yeah. <laughs> In Hebrew, what's the word for ashir in Hebrew? Fat. Ashir, ashir is an acronym for the words enayim, shinayim, adayim, raglayim. Eyes, teeth, hands, and feet. That's, 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 uh, that's rich. Or as Matan says, the fact you're happy with what you have, that's, that's, uh, that's rich. The Gemara says, someone is blessed with a wife who is beautiful in her deeds, is considered a ashir. There are many different ways of looking at what being rich is. But how about being poor? The Torah says that in everything, there's always a virtue in everything. So let's, let's talk a little bit today about being poor and the advantage of being poor, what being poor really means according to this advantage. They'll see that being poor could also be being rich. Everything has a virtue. I got everyone nervous today. Okay, I turned everyone off. I don't want to talk about being poor. Yeah, talk about being rich in a different way. Relax. It's, it's not going to take any, anything from your bank account or from your stimulus that you just got. From the, won't take anything away from that. We're, we're, we're going on. Um, this is very relevant right now because next week is Pesach, and Pesach we're going to have lechem oni. What's lechem oni mean? Poor man's bread. Poor man's bread means. Bread that is, the matzah is called poor man's bread. Why do we call matzah, which is the mitzvah we have once a year on Passover, why do we call it lechemoni? And everything there's a virtue. There must be something good about that. So let's first um, get, get into this discussion from something in this Torah portion. This week we read about various gifts, various sacrifices. People will give to Hashem. There is a gift of the rich man and the gift of the poor man. And it says that uh, when you go, a uh, poor man would give a bull, would give a bird, and a rich man would give a bull. If you couldn't afford to give a gift to Hashem of a bull, then you would give. It was a sliding scale. You gave a, a bird, and the way you gave the bird was different than all the sacrifices. The poor man giving the bird was different. First of all, they would all the sacrifices. They would skin the animal first before it was brought on God's altar. They would skin it. By the poor man's sacrifice, they kept the skin on. Not just to get the skin on, they also kept the feathers on. Now, it doesn't smell good. It doesn't smell good. Rashi says there's no worse smell than the smell of a bird burning with its feathers. So why in the world would they want to have the altar in Beit HaMikdash to have this, 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 this terrible smell? What's the point of that? So Rashi says, there's another part of this that was unusual by the bird. All their sacrifices, you would set, the whole animal will go up on the altar, but... By the bird, the stomach will be taken out. Why will the stomach be taken out? Because the bird eats from wherever it can get food from. It steals. So Hashem doesn't want to accept the gift of the stomach of the bird because the bird takes from the bird steals wherever it can get food. Okay. So you have this little mini sacrifice, very small. And so small, Hashem wants you should also add to the bird, also add more, so it shouldn't look like this tiny little sacrifice that should look muhudar. So on the surface, it sounds like it's, it's part of what the poor man, how he should feel. He shouldn't feel like he is, uh, he is you know, giving a scrawny little gift. He should feel like it's something special, something big. It fills up the whole altar. But it doesn't fill up. It's a little, it, it, the, the guy who's bringing the bull it fills the whole altar. It shouldn't be such a scrawny little sacrifice. It should also have something there too. That's what you might think. But if you look carefully at the words, the Torah doesn't use those words. The Torah says, in order that the altar should be beautiful with the gift of the poor man. 
doesn't say that the poor man should feel good about it. And also, would he feel good about it? Think about it. You're bringing this scrawny little gift, and it smells bad, and it smells worse because you're adding the feathers. And oh no, oh no, another guy brought a bird. Oh man, let me get out of here. You know, so so so, so it's not going to have that. That he's not going to feel good about it. What's the point? What does it mean? In fact, as halacha, we just read before Mincha the Ketoret. What would be a good ingredient for the Ketoret? It says urine. Urine be very good for Ketoret. Why don't we put urine in the Ketoret? Because it's You're not allowed to pray in an area where there's a bad odor. Halacha says if there's a bad odor, you have to move a few feet away from the bad odor to pray. So even though it might be beneficial for this for, for something else, but you don't here all the rules are ignored. The poor man has a sacrifice. Doesn't matter if it smells bad. Why are you doing that? Well, what, what does this mean? So let's understand first what difference is between a rich rich man and a poor man. A rich man, you know what a rich man is? A rich man is somebody who walks on the ground with 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 both feet on the ground. He, firm feet, he knows where he's going, and he knows how he's going to marry off his children, he knows how he's going to marry off his grandchildren, you see, he feels, he feels great about who he is, and, where, and, and not only does he feel good, when he comes to, uh, he, he gives staka, he feels good with the gifts he gives, he comes to Yom Kippur, he buys Mafter Yona, he buys the, you know, the most expensive Aliyah, he, he's generous, he gives other people also staka, he feels great about what he is doing, what, he, what he's able to give, he, he feels good about who he is, his kids walk around, they, that's my dad! You see that building over there has my dad's name on it? That's my dad. That's how kids feel. They, and the kids, yeah, that's our daddy. They, they feel good about it. And he feels good. He looks in the street, look at the plaque. He donated this plaque. He donated the synagogue. He feels very good about what he has. When he comes to Beit HaMikdash with his bull, he doesn't just come by himself. He comes with all of his servants, with all of his, uh, the whole entourage. They all come to the Mizbeach. They all come to the altar. How does it feel? They come to uh, Yosef. Over here, Yosef is a Kohen. You know, he's okay. He's a... And he feels like all the gates of heaven are open for him. It's all open. It must be that in heaven the angels are singing woo. It must be like, like a tremendous joy when he comes with his bull. It must be a, such a great joy. That's how the rich, I'm not saying every rich person is like that, but that's what rich wealth can do to somebody. How about poverty? Poverty is very different. Poverty, the guy is wondering how in the world I'm going to pay for Passover. He doesn't think about marrying off his grandchildren. He can't even think about marrying off his children because he just overwhelmed with what, what's happening right now. And uh, when he comes to give, when, when there's a dinner, a charity dinner, he runs away from the charity. He doesn't, doesn't want, and he has to come, he hides in the corner, he doesn't, he doesn't feel good about what he gives. Because he, he can't really give a lot. When he comes to the Beit HaMikdash to give his gift to Hashem, to give this bird, he's, a little, he's embarrassed. He doesn't want to give it, because he doesn't feel good about what he's giving. He doesn't feel he's giving anything special. So that's how he feels. But what does Hashem call the gift of the poor person? Hashem says, this is a great, pleasing odor, pleasing fragrance for me. Even though it smells terribly, but Hashem says, for me, this is a great why. Because why is he doing it? The rich man is doing it because it, he's doing it for Hashem. He's also doing it because he feels good for himself too. He feels like, I have something to give. I'm something special that I can give. The poor guy, how does he feel when he gives? He, he's doing it. Why is he doing it? He doesn't want to give. But why is he giving anyways? He's giving anyways because... Because this is, he want, the word karban means sacrament, means closeness. He wants to be close to Hashem. So his giving is all about Hashem. It's only about Hashem, nothing, nothing to do with himself. He's, and that's why Hashem has such pleasure from his sacrifice. Because it's only about Hashem. There's no, there's no self-interest there at all. So think of a, of a husband who wants to buy his wife some gift. He can't really buy her a good gift. What does he get her? He, he goes. He goes to. Uh, gets a, a rose, and the rose itself is 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 uh, on sale too. And he brings her the rose, but he does it out of a lot of love. 
and, uh, and and it's accepted. It's accepted. Why? Because because of what's in, what's in there. What's in there? It, it's it's it, when you're Hashem doesn't say about the sacrifice of the poor man that it smells bad. Hashem says for me it smells good. Hashem says bring the whole thing. I love this. Hashem says bring the bird, bring the feathers, bring the wings. This is fantastic. I like to bring more of this. There was a great sadik his name was Victor Halberstam. He once at his home on a, on a Shabbat. Custom in Shabbat is when you're served, you're supposed to eat the whole everything you're served. And he was a tzaddik that, in the way it worked in his circles, was he would eat, and after he finished eating, then everyone else would eat. You know that, that kind of uh, custom. And he's invited to this home. He starts eating. Oh, this is fantastic! This is amazing! Give me more. And he eats more. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. This is great. And he eats more. And, and the way it worked was when after he finished eating, they would eat the. But he's not finishing. He's asking for more. It's never happened before. Like, what is going on with this guy? He, he ate the whole pot and. And, and I was like waiting, and what's going on? He says, and I was like, everyone's complimenting the guy's wife. Wow, she must be such a good cook. The rabbi never did this before. This is great. And one of the students, what did the rabbi feel in this? In this? In this? What did, what did Rabbi Victor feel in this? In this chong? Do you feel some angels, some sparks of holiness? Yes, I got to go see what's in there. He tastes, tastes. He finds in the pot. He scrapes in the bottom of the pot something terrible, disgusting. disgusting. She didn't put in the oil. She put in kerosene. It's terrible, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> So, 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 so why do you say it was good? Why do you say, I mean, it makes sense that he ate it. He didn't want her to get embarrassed. Okay, that we understand. But was he lying? Was he lying when he said it was good? What do you think? Was it, was it a lie? It's what? Woman gift. Oh, exactly. Exactly. There's, he was feeling in every spoon that he was eating, he was feeling how this is making this person feel good. This person not getting embarrassed. So he's tasting in the terrible food that for his palate, he was feeling the pleasantness and the joy and the happiness and the closeness that, that, that this, this poor lady was feeling because he, she wasn't embarrassed. Every spoon, he didn't taste the... Someone wins the lottery. They go in and they win the lottery in Brooklyn. They go, in the, they go into the three train and it's stuffed and it's sweaty and you're going down the three train to, and you have to go collect the lottery. How do you feel over there? You're dancing. You don't notice that it's sweaty. You don't notice that it's smelly. You're going to get, get, you're going to get the, uh, the lotto. So, in order that Hashem, so to speak, he should be satisfied with the gift of the poor man, Hashem says, I want more of this. Why? Because where is it coming from? It's coming from such a sense of, 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 of closeness, of purity from this guy. And I want to understand something else. There's a statement, you may have all heard this statement before. I heard this for, for a long time ago, but it, I, oh, I never understood what it meant. The, the, when the Torah comments about the Talmud comments about the various gifts of the poor man, the rich man, it says Echad Echad Hamamit Doesn't matter if you give a lot, doesn't matter if you give a little, as long as your heart is for Hashem, it works. So what? what, how, what how do you think? How, what does this translate as? It translates to you. To me, it always translates. Even if you give a little bit, still Hashem accepts it. It's the exact opposite. <laughs> says, if you give a little bit, why are you giving? Because Hashem says to give. Because nothing to do with you. But if you're giving a, a lot, and then you already feel you have already your own self-worth and self-interest and self-pleasure in what you're giving. And therefore, you might think you can't be for Hashem. It can't really be, reach where it's supposed to reach. So the answer is that you could, even the rich person could also find something poor in himself, which is really something rich. He could also find in himself the part that he wants a connection with Hashem. He could, even though he's giving something which has self-interest there as well, you could also connect to it as well. There was a Jew who wanted to donate to the synagogue. The rabbi says, we're going to build a synagogue. We're going to solve the honors of the various parts of the synagogue. 
and he looks at the list, he says, oh, I want to dedicate the ark. The ark? But I have two conditions. The ark, the rabbi says, the ark is $100,000. He says, yes, I want to dedicate the ark for $100,000. I have two conditions. Condition number one is, I don't want my name on the ark. I said, one second, one second. The, the Rashba says, I understand where you're coming from. You're, you want to give this, we know, altruistically for the sake of Hashem. But the Rashba says it's the mitzvah to publicize those who do mitzvah. It's the mitzvah to publicize those who do mitzvah. So, so you can't, you can't uh, not, not do it. So he says, Rabbi, I said there's two conditions. You didn't hear my second condition. <laughs> he says, what's the second condition? The second condition is, sell it to somebody else. <laughs> Put someone else's name on it. I'm dedicating the ark, but I'm not taking the, the, the ownership of the, the, the plaque. Give the plaque to someone else. So, so some, someone else will see that someone donated the ark. That, 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 that name won't be empty. But, but uh, that, that's what a Jew is. A, a Jew is someone who... Some people are very rich in, in giving compliments. For life, I took my kids to the dentist. Some, some of my kids, you know, like already for a week before the dentist, like, oh, no, I have to go to the dentist. Oh, no, I'm going to... <laughs> I think it's like, wow, the dentist, I'm going to get a prize at the dentist, you know, it's, and they're going to, they're going to give me a t- toothpaste and a little toothbrush. Everyone has the, everyone has the things that, and no, no, everyone has things that make them, you know, a little bit annoyed, and some people are, are good at those things. They're just like, always go with the flow. Whatever Hashem sends, they're just good. Some people are not. And some people are good at compliments. They see a good in other people, and they pour it on. They just make the other person feel good. Some people are very poor at compliments. They're not able to say a nice word. When you try to say a nice word and try to drag a nice word out of them, it comes out like 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 without any bleed a diamond line, without any without any uh, without any just said uh, it was it was okay. <laughs> so so when you're giving something with it, with your gifts, with your when you have it special, you feel good about what you're giving. When you're giving something that you're poor at. You, you, why are you doing it? It's hard. And not only there's a rich, there's talents to make us rich and talents we're poor at, but it's also days. There are rich days and poor days. It's time for mincha. It's time for mincha today on Thursday. And we had a great chazan, it was fantastic. We had a naktishach, even better. But some days, some days you have a chazan, or you're not in the mood, and it's, not, it's a poor day. It's a poor you know, day, you're not, you're not interested. And so you might think, okay, this is a day that, 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 that it, it didn't, I didn't get accepted today. Because today I wasn't really into it. It's the opposite. It's the opposite. Why do you pray in the day that you're not interested? Who, who asked you to pray in that day? Where did it come from? It came because you wanted to do what Hashem wants you to do. Because you think about Hashem. In 1982, Israel entered Lebanon. Lebanon war. And when Israel enters Lebanon, who goes with them? Chabadniks, right? <laughs> so Chabadniks got permission to go into Lebanon, to Beirut. And they had around this, they went to, to make green joy to the soldiers and the dance of the soldiers and encourage them. And around the base, there, the, the Chabadniks saw in the morning, wake up in the morning, want to put on film with people, and that some people are interested, some people are not interested, and everyone woke up, it was early in the morning. They see around this little base in Beirut, they see 20 jeeps. In each jeep, there's two soldiers. Rabbi Tuvia Bolton said this story. He was, he was uh, there. He was, he was the guy. He's, he's there Rosh Hashiva in Karachabad. Rabbi Tuvia Bolton goes over to the first jeep. Put, guys, want to put on film? Yeah, let's put on film. Go to the second jeep. This guy starts cursing at them, yelling at them. Leave me alone. You disgusting piece of... etc. What do you do? What do you do? What would you do? Put the film on him. You take him apart, right? You hold him down. Okay, that's one way. What this guy did was, this, okay, see you later. <laughs> he went to the third jeep. The third jeep, there's a soldier in the third jeep, and if the soldier in the third jeep felt bad, what happened in the second jeep? So, he, so he's like, he wanted to put on film just to make the guy feel good. He felt so bad, the guy got so humiliated. He's like, I, I, I could put on film, but tell me what for. If I put on film, is it going to protect me? 
So the Chabadnik says, listen, he, what he said is not what the Rebbe said. The Rebbe said something different. The Rebbe said that tefillin is like armor. Mezuzot are like armor. It's not that Hashem likes you better if you wear a tefillin mezuzot, but tefillin and mezuzot are like armor. And therefore, it's very important to make sure that the tefillin mezuzot are actually kosher because they bring protection to you. It's like, it's like having armor on you. When there's an arrow, if you have armor, it protects you. But this Chabadnik spoke on the spot from the heart. He said to the Chabadnik, if I wear the tefillin, will God protect me? So the Chabadnik says, listen, you're God's child. God loves you. God protect you either way. Whether you wear the tefillin, you don't wear the tefillin. But think about it. If our God's such a loving Father, that He watches us no matter what we do, whether we do what He wants, don't, don't, don't do what He wants, shouldn't you also be a loving son and put on tefillin whether it helps you or doesn't help you? So the guy's like, that's great. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> he puts on tefillin. The second guy in the Jeep, next to him, puts on tefillin. The guy in front, he says, you know, in Israeli, how do you say it in Hebrew? Uh, it means, come here right now. And the, second the guy, guy in the front of him, the, the secondary, ah, right? Yeah. The secondary, right? The secondary, yeah. exactly. And doesn't say a word. It goes like this. Do it. See, the, 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 the guy is like a little nervous. Like, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> <laughs> so he says, "Listen, Why take it, the chance? if you would ask me to fill in to get a share in the world to come, not for me. Lobishvili. If you ask me to fill in, I should get protected. Lobishvili. It's also not for me. But to put on fill in just just because, just because." Zebeshvili, <laughs> this 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 talks to me. This talks to me. Is he crazy? Is he crazy? He's not crazy. That's what a Jew is. That's what a Jew is. A Jew, a Jew feels. A Jew, a Jew cherishes just the fact that he's that he could he could be close to Hashem. That's why that's why matzah lechamoni. What's the matzah? Matzah represents. It's flat. I don't know about your seder and our seder. What happens is every year someone says how much money the guy making when he sells the matzah. How is the matzah taste this year compared to last year? Is this the real matzah? What is the matzah? The matzah is not the actual substance of the matzah. The Jews ate the matzah, they said, this is Hashem's food. Hashem said to eat this. It didn't matter what it was. It came from, completely from the depth of their heart, with a mitzvah for Hashem. Take one more story, let's go early. Last story. Okay, fine. Three more stories? One more, two more stories. Okay, two stories. Two stories. You know, you, you know the trick already. So you know, there must be two, right? So I had the blind man in Passover one time over. I had the blind man over. And he said, of the Haggadah, I was reading off the matzah, and he said, who wrote that gibberish? <laughs> <laughs> you serious? Does it make any sense? No, it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was a, a class of the Baal Shem Tev. His name was Revolf Kitsis. Revolf Kitsis, he was the one who blew the shofar for the Baal Shem Tev. And in Elul, before before Shoshana, the Baal Shem said to him, "Here are the teachings of the Arizal. Learn them well, and so you can think about them when you blow the shofar." Guy works very hard, and he studies the whole Elul, all the meaning of the shofar, backwards and forwards, up and down, right and left. Comes there Rosh Hashanah, and he's about to blow the shofar, and he wants to take out the paper out of his pocket, and he can't find the paper. So he gets all nervous. He looks in the other pocket, looks here, looks there. He's so nervous he can't pull the shofar. Just, he just, he just, he just like too, he can't do anything. So the Bashan had the shofar, he found himself all the shofar. The next day he finds the paper, and he practices, and he comes, and he blows the shofar with all the thoughts of that, he's, uh, all the thoughts he's supposed to think. He's, he's, he's. The Bashan goes over to him after the prayer and says, today, the, the shofar was really good, but it wasn't as good as yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, I heard shofar that I can never heard in my life. You know what I mean? That's the gift of the poor man. It looks like it's poor. But it's really rich. I mean, it's really rich. I mean, a Jew gives him to Hashem because, because he wants action to Hashem, not because of anything else. That's rich. Here's the last story. There is a, the, the, the Zohar says, 
that there's different kinds of prayers. There's a prayer of Moshe, Tefillah Moshe, doesn't Tefillah, there's Tefillah the David, there's Tefillah La'ani. What's the greatest prayer? There's a prayer of a poor man is the greatest prayer. What's the prayer of a poor man? Says in the Zohar, it's even greater than a minion. The prayer of a poor man is greater than a minion. A minion, time people are not praying together, it's, it's, it's like the highest kind of prayers, but a prayer of a poor man is even greater. Why? Because a prayer of a poor man breaks the doors of heaven. There are some things which are keys to heaven, and something which, which could break through the door. What does that mean? So, Shemel gave the following parable. The king once announced, everyone who wants to can come to the palace and see the king and take whatever they want from the palace. So the people come to the palace. On the first floor of the palace, they have all the restaurants. People go, wow, this is great. Viennese, uh, Japanese, Chinese, Italian, whatever you want. And people come, they eat, and they eat, and it's great. Some people don't like that, that floor. They go to the next, what's the next floor? The second floor of the palace. They go deeper in the palace. The second floor of the palace, they see that there's not just great food in the palace, there's also amazing speakers. Wow, speakers, comedy, there's, there's, there's philosophy, there's science, there's great stuff. Some people like that. Some people don't like that. Some people go further. They go to the third floor of the palace, there's music, all kinds of music, all kinds of heavy metal and it's classic and whatever you want. It's all there. You got, you got, you got nervous with the heavy metal. Fine, rap, rap, whatever, whatever you like. I don't know what you like. Anyways, some people went into that into that floor and got really into it, and they stopped there. Some people went deeper. Deeper in the palace, there's, 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 there's precious stones and antiques and artifacts. One poor guy goes in. The Gemara says if you have $100, you want $200. What if you don't have $100? Then you know, it doesn't interest you. He goes in the first floor. What's the first floor? What's the second floor? What's the third floor? I heard him speak to the king here. I heard, I heard him go to the king. He goes right up to the king, and he says, I just want to speak to you. That is because the king says... This gives me nachat ruach. This is what gives me pleasure. This is the meaning of the of the of the preparation for Pesach, preparation for Lechamoni. That even if we we have we are Baruch Hashem, we're here studying Torah together. So we're, we all have the challenge of being rich. What's the challenge? We're brought up in a home which uh, which which Baruch Hashem, our home we live in now. It's a place where there's Torah, there's mitzvot, there's a Passover. Not everyone. Has such a home? Not everyone has a place to to go for the seder. You know, there's four sons at the seder, but there's also a fifth son. Who's a fifth son? The guy is the guy doesn't come. So so it's easy when you when you think about like all the gifts you have. You have to think about not just to be rich. You have gifts and you give what you have. You have to think about what would happen if someone if I would switch places with you. If I switch places with somebody else who doesn't have all those great gifts, like the Rebbe said. One year, they made this a campaign among in the Reform Conservative Movement. They made a campaign that everyone should have an empty chair by the Seder table to remember the Jews in Russia who cannot leave. The Rebbe was very against this. He says, why have an empty chair? Go to Greenwich Village, the Rebbe said. In Greenwich Village, you'll find a Jew who needs to come to the Seder. Bring him to the Seder. So, so it's, 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 we, need, we, we can't be satisfied with whoever's coming to the Seder till now. They think of people in our life who aren't yet by the Seder, who aren't there, and, and they need a place to go for the Seder, and to give to Hashem something which is, which is more... Than, uh, than what we're used to. To give the Hashem the gift of the poor man, which is really the gift of the greatest wealth. Our, our poverty, the fact that things that we're not good at, things that are hard for us, we're going beyond ourselves, that's, that's the greatest wealth. L'chaim, 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 l'cha